Thank you. Um, I hope I will calm down soon so I'm able actually to operate. So let's try. So uh, first of all, we will have a short history lesson about the platform processors and uh, the history of the platform processors. Then, obviously, we will have a look how it looks uh, today. And most of the lecture we will spend together uh, doing the hardware and the firmware analysis of the system management unit. And um, so x86 processor, as you might know, uh, it is quite old processor from late 70s. And uh, what is interesting is that this uh, processor always had uh, little small processors which were, which were helping this big processor. Um, it is really quite old time uh, from 1984 and uh, also 1983. Uh, those processors were the platform processors with, without uh, possibility to change the firmware, but they handled uh, important functions uh, which in that time was a keyboard and also the resetting the whole platform and the famous 820 hardware. I want to just uh, to make uh, sure uh, what is the level here. So who knows what is 820? Yeah, great. I, I'm at the Hackers Conference, so it's okay. Um, yes, and. Uh, so those were the first uh, processors, and uh, as you might know, the laptops generally also include one more processor, which is usually used for the firmware management and hot plugging events and special keys and so on. And this uh, co this controller uh, has uh, uh, has usually 8051 CPU or some uh, Super Hitachi CPUs and so on. So this. This x86 platform currently is using such things, and uh, if we look uh, how it looks uh, looks in today, that uh, we will find that the uh, we will find that the border between the hardware and software somehow diminishes a little, and that there is a lot of uh, firmware uh, present. If you look to the Linux kernel. Uh, which uh, has this firmware directory or the, the package, you will immediately spot that virtually any peripheral today has, uh, has a kind of firmware which needs to be uploaded and to operate. But in our lecture, um, I would like to concentrate on the platform processors which are helping the main processor. And let's start with the, uh, with the Intel, uh, Intel processor. Um, as you might know, uh, there is uh, one which is remarkable. It's an Intel management engine. Who knows this one? Yeah, great. So let's go. Let's go to the AMD because uh, maybe it's not such, uh, not so many known. Um, so in AMD platform, which you can buy today, you will find uh, several other processors. The first one which I listed is the system management unit which will be more on that later today. Then there is even um, a small 8051, which is located in the South Bridge, which is called Integrated Microcontroller. And of course, there is also uh, some other uh, controller in the USB, which uh, you can figure out in your homework what kind of control it is. And in the end, the very recent AMD processors comes with something which is called Platform Security Processor. 
And um, this processor is uh, ARM Cortex-A5 with a trust zone thing. And the reason why AMD introduced this processor is to redo the chain of, or the root of the trust. So uh, the idea perhaps behind this is uh, to, uh, to have something else which, which uh, gives the root of the trust uh, while booting the x86 processor. So in fact, something which verifies the BIOS before the, even the BIOS is started. But in this lecture, as I said, we will concentrate on the uh, system management unit. But uh, x86 is not the only platform which uh, has such kind of uh, special platform processors. If you look to ARM or PowerPC, you will notice that there are special channel or DMA processors which, uh, which are also running their firmware. And uh, here is just a funny table. I hope I have it correct. So uh, I'm not aware if there is any malware running on this kind of platform processors, but as for today, I can put the platform processor has some bugs. So let's have a look. Um, and uh, to finish my introduction, um, I think it's a good, uh, good way to increase kind of awareness of this. And uh, because these platform firmwares are in every modern platform, and you, you cannot simply disable it uh, because it's a part it's a, it's a genuine part of the, uh, of the system, so you have to live with it, and there could be possible security uh, problems. And this is, I think, a very important point that the hardware engineers are involved, uh, which means most of them are not the software engineers. So if you ever have, have, have looked to some uh, BIOS assembly codes or some uh, small embedded system platforms, uh, you know how clumsy they are, and uh, this doesn't help uh, the security much. And um, there is kind of advent of some very special firmwares which are found on, uh, on the, which can be loaded to the current platforms. Uh, most likely you are, um, uh, you, you are aware of the bad USB uh, stuff, which uh, I, I think I have it. The, it's not, in fact, in the USB 3.0 controller, but in the, uh, in the client, uh, in the USB device. But what, it, what, what you can also run is uh, that you can run your, uh, uh, Linux in your hard drive, because somebody with the Sprite TM name found out that uh, the hard drive PCB contains free ARM processors and you can run MMU-less Linux inside your hard drive and also fix the ETC shadow if necessary, for example. So, as you can see, now we live in, uh, in the age where those processors are somehow bubbling out and uh, something needs to be done. Yes, and I was speaking about the open source uh, <laughs> uh, firmwares, and I believe there are also perhaps some closed source firmware, and here you can choose your, your right permutation of the vendor. Okay, so this was just the uh, first part of my story, and um, the second part is how uh, is about how I went through the SMU stuff, and as usual, it begins that people read, read books and some read also data sheets. 
And if you do that and have a look to uh, this document, which is very nice, uh, it describes how most of the stuff, how the modern AMD processor is working. It's called AMD BIOS and Developer's Guide. And if you have a look uh, into this document for the very recent uh, families, you will find there this quote that there is something which is called uh, the system management unit, and it takes uh, responsibility for the power management and system-related tasks. And the last sentence is quite uh, nice. It says, the SMU contains a microcontroller to assist. And uh, this is the point where I started to think, let's uh, have a look uh, how it, what is it, and if I can get some fun fun of it. So, and because I like the, uh, the stuff like uh, ciphers and so, so things, so it was very ideal topic for me. And uh, this thing is also very special because um, it lives in Northbridge, and Northbridge is the part of the system of chip. And uh, it means in the end that it lives uh, in the CPU. And this was the reason why I put the name Matroshka processor. And uh, while I was preparing my lecture, then I noticed that the Western people are not, uh, they simply don't know what the Matroshka is. And so I brought one uh, to show you. So this is the main CPU. And if you open it, there is a smaller one. And uh, so, but please, this is not a part of the Czech culture, you know, because we were uh, the Soviet satellite some 20 years ago, and there were not other presents available, so we kind of have still some of them hidden in our homes. But uh, please do not buy them in Prague as a tourist souvenir, because they, it's a tourist trap, and please don't do that in the end. Okay. So, now back to our lecture. So what kind of microcontroller uh, is there? Um, of course, nowadays, the Google knows quite a lot of answers. And if you put this to the Google, you will get some uh, more data sheets, which we will, we will need later. But also, uh, you will get something from LinkedIn. Uh, and not just this one, but also a lot of other pages which describes uh, a lot about <clears throat> what the SMU is in fact doing. So uh, here I won't read it uh, at all, uh, at whole, uh, but in fact, uh, as you can see, it is lat Lattice uh, LM32 processor. It's doing some dynamic power stuff uh, and this guy apparently implemented the adaptive algorithm to deal with the power management. But please don't blame this one, because there is many more on LinkedIn, especially for the AMD employees and other employees. OK, so if you know that this is latest Myco LM32, then um, here is a quite a short introduction. So it is, um, let's say, open core processor. You can get SDK for it, or you can download, uh, or you can compile your own toolchain, and um, you, you can get also the reference manual. So this is, in general, a very good start to tinker about this. 
And uh, the LM32 processor really likes the number 32 because it's a 32-bit processor with 32-bit instruction size. And you can guess how many registers inside processor it has. Yes, it's 32. And um, because uh, I, in the next part of the lecture, uh, I will need this information. So just quickly, um, we have the R0, which should hold the 0. And um, the rest is quite obvious. Uh, this architecture is not like x86. It uses link register uh, to save the return, <coughs> return address from the function. Yes, and um, so, so far we know what kind of architecture we have, but we don't know where to look for the firmware. So the hard way is, of course, to disorder the flash, uh, or the flash chip, which is on the main board, read it out in some uh, programmer, and uh, look if there is not the firmware. But in fact, there is an easy way, because uh, on uh, on these platforms, the, uh, the BIOS image is a complete image of the flash. So you can have a look uh, for the firmware in this, uh, in this image, so you don't need to do the soldering stuff and reading out. And I put some clue here that the, the firmware uh, is part of, of something which is called AGESA. Uh, this is uh, AMD um, platform initialization blob, which uh, initializes the, the every aspect of the AMD platform. And this is included from AMD into the vendor BIOS. And it is called during the BIOS execution to perform the initialization steps. And <clears throat> To get the firmware, you can download virtually any BIOS um, uh, from, the, from the net, for example, for the FM2 motherboard, which I was using um, for my experiments. And now, because I already told you it's in the BIOS image, so you can try the text search. And the search is for the SMU. And uh, if you do that, you will find uh, something like this. Uh, if you look uh, to, to the slide, there is underscore SMU, underscore SMU. And um, this thing is most likely just an anchor to allow other, perhaps AMD people, to find it more easily inside the blob. I have no other explanation of this. Then uh, the bold text is actual firmware, which uh, is for the uh, SMU, SMU part. Uh, and you have many firmwares, or many, not many, like three or four in the, in the AGESA, because one AGESA supports different uh, CPUs, like Trinity or Richland, and also others like Arizo, for example. So the next thing is that we are on the communication congress, so we have to communicate also with this processor. And um, we would like to communicate from the x86 uh, processor. So, and this is where the document I mentioned is again helping because uh, it is described and documented in the public documentation that there are these two registers which you can use as kind of gateway uh, to this other space of this processor. And here, uh, let me take a little detour uh, that uh, if it is not documented, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's just a delay. And on the other hand, I do appreciate that uh, AMD is putting a lot of effort to have documented platforms way more than the Intel. So please try to support them at least like this. 
So let's write some simple utility to dump the address space of the system management unit from running system. I use the Linux. So if you do that, uh, I know it's rather small, but uh, well, I will fix it later. If you do that, you will see that it's kind of strange data. It's repeating uh, 55, 55, AA, and again. And this is for the first um, uh, 64 kilobytes. So then it's getting a little bit better because you will immediately see that uh, at the offset of 64 kilobytes, it starts to be the same as you have found already in the BIOS image you, uh, you or I analyzed. But what is strange is that after the uh, 500, uh, uh, sorry, 256 bytes, uh, there is again this 5555AAAA, which means that the runtime firmware is most likely hidden from you, so you cannot modify it, and then some random garbage follows. So this is how it looks if you dump first to 64 kilobyte segments. Uh, I put it into the nice table, so it is more uh, more easily to, uh, understandable. Um, we will look uh, now uh, to the uh, to the header, and then we go back to the uh, to the firmware. Okay, and I need to drink some water because. Okay. So this, this is quite easy stuff. In the firmware header, you will find what you think it should be there. You will find out that there is a version number. Uh, there is a length of the header. There is a length of the, uh, of the firmware. Um, there is also something which looks like entry point at the offset C. And then at the offset, uh, uh, offset 10 in hexadecimal, there is something which looks like a checksum, it looks like very random data. And in the end of the header, there is a 55AA, 55AA signature. And then it continues with some uh, firmware, um, which we don't know yet. It could be the first instruction. So let's have a look uh, uh, at, at the instruction stuff. So as I said, it immediately follows the header. And if you if you disassemble the, this instruction, this uh, 000, like three zeros and 98 at the end, and the second one is the same, so you will get this instruction, which is quite unhappy, and it is garbage. But you have to try something else, and it's like big NDN, for example. And if you do that, you will get something which is very promising because, uh, as I have shown you, it is expected that in register R0 is, in fact, a zero. So it looks good. And um, is there someone which uh, can do something with the radar software? Yes, please, I will need some kickstart to this. Because, as you will see, uh, I did it in very own way. So I decided I will convert the firmware to the ELF file. And I did it with the object copy, like this. So I created one section, uh, which I marked that it's executable. And then I used object dump uh, to dump it back. And if I have done it, so uh, I get uh, these first steps. So here, as you can see, it's just zeros. I don't know why twice time, but it is so. 
the R0, then it disables interrupts and set up the exception handlers. And um, then it sets in other place in the routine, set up the stacks and zeros the BSS and its classic CRT0 startup. So I decided I will put back some more symbols so I can use nicer object dump. And exception handlers were described in the LM32 manual, so I could add more data to my linker script and identify the exception handlers of the firmware. And if you look to the functions, um, they look pretty, uh, pretty standard. They have some prologues and epilogues. I just skip this for now. And here I think it was a great idea. And um, I said that let this is the SDK, and I looked into the SDK and found out there is CRT zero RAM S and some C functions which were handling the interrupts and uh, interrupts routines allocation and registration and so on. And uh, I also checked the, the binary image uh, of the example which let is included in the, uh, in the SDK and I found out that AMD in fact uses this also. So I was able to fill my linker script again with some more functions. Um, it's, it's not exactly the same because of the different GCC most likely, but it's very similar. Okay, so <clears throat> let's, let's see how to communicate uh, with, the, with the firmware from, uh, from the operating system or from the BIOS. Uh, you can read in the manual that it is possible to invoke something which is called SMU firmware request. And um, this is documented again. And it, you will just write uh, some request number to a doorbell register. Then you will just trigger the interrupt with in, inside the doorbell register. And um, the SMU will get the interrupt and pro, uh, proceed with, the, uh, with, with this kind of interrupt. And then um, also return if the interrupt was uh, or this routine was successful or not. So in the detail, this is what I found out, is that most of the stuff is power management related. <clears throat> it's something which is called budget aware power management, and that the custom registers are usually located at the end of the second 64 kilobyte segment. And this is not only this, uh, there were also some uh, functions or some uh, service functions which were quite easy to understand. There were some from, for the uh, flashing of the data caches and instruction cache. Uh, there was also a very special request which I nicknamed pink request because it just incremented by one some register and this was all what it was in fact doing. So. Now we know quite a lot about this uh, SMU and um, now we need to ask some questions. So if it is possible to run some program, our own program on it, and what are the problems? So the obvious problems could be that there is this protection uh, thing, which, doesn't, which means that the code is protected from the runtime modification plus there is something which looks like the checksum. Plus, if we would modify the BIOS, it would mean that the BIOS on its own has some kind of checksums. So uh, 
this this is the problem we need somehow to solve. So this is again just from the firmware header as I was uh, telling uh, in in the beginning. Um, so uh, there is this uh, 20 bytes of something which we will need to find out, and this 20 bytes is in fact 160 bits. So what this could be? Yes, that it could be SHA1. So I tried really hard with many permutations, like computed from the firmware with, without the header, with the header a little bit in the end, with zeros instead of the places where it is, and I simply failed. I didn't, uh, didn't find out how to do that. Yes, and this is what I said already. So the second thing is runtime code injection. So how to do that? We have this problem that the code and data segment is hidden, uh, and uh, it looks like it's protected. So, but there are also ranges which are not protected, and uh, this was seen in, in the big dump I showed you uh, at, in the beginning. And uh, let's examine this further and see if, uh, if we can write there something. So uh, the, in this slide, you, you see that uh, uh, there is this 5.5 five and so on again. And, and at, the, at the offset DC 50, it stops, and there is some random stuff. And uh, the header, as, as uh, I have told you already, is also visible. So these are these two regions, and uh, in the end of the of the of the uh, 64 kilobyte segment, there is uh, this communication area with some random garbage. So, if you look um, to the offset data, which are uh, which are to be seen in right after the protection ends, it looks like something like this, and there are some there is some strange things happening here. So the offset data matches some functions uh, in the firmware, which I need to tell you what is it, so I don't know. And uh, what is uh, more strange is that this part is uh, still part of the BIOS image, so somehow something went wrong with that, even more than terribly. Um, so there is a first problem that uh, there is some problem that the uh, 256 uh, bytes uh, is missing in the protection, and the header is also the same length, so it looks like uh, it's kind of a problem that uh, this this part is not not covered because someone forgot it to edit over there. So. Because of this, we need to ask more, uh, can we change this offset data during runtime? And the answer is yes. And um, is there something uh, which invokes uh, this function pointer uh, from the offset data? And the answer is also yes. In fact, <laughs> there is uh, IRC, uh, this, uh, there, there is this uh, dispatcher which handles various interrupt requests from the SMU, and one of the request is also, which is present there, uh, this uh, SMU request function handler, which gets invoked. So <clears throat> now we can think about how to run the program. So 
I took the obvious approach to load it to unused part of the second 64-kilobyte segment. Um, I've put there the quotes because I don't know if it was really unused place or I was just lucky. So we can modify the, the pointer in the offset data and um, uh, then when finished, uh, we return uh, the control to, to the original function to handle the request and also the IRQ request, so it's uh, cleanly done. And while at it, I also included here, uh, the, th this is actually the function which, uh, uh, which is invoked uh, for the SMU request. And now we can also go through this one. So, First, it acknowledges this uh, SMU request interrupt, which came because of this doorbell register. Um, it loads the request number, which was stored in some other register, then it masks it and shifts it, and then it loads the base of the function pointer table, which is different from previous. This is another function, and load it to, to the register R2, and then call it. So, is here anyone who sees already the problem? No, okay. So, I give you more time. Okay, so, so there is no check for the bounce, so, um, in fact, it means that you can run something which is not in the, uh, in the array for the pointers, and, this is bad. So, something went wrong again. Um, because we control this 15-bit uh, this value which we are passing to the request, to this function, uh, then the, the offsets where the pointer's table starts is also known, so uh, we can simply, simply load to some address uh, a pointer to our function which we, which we, which we can load there. And uh, if we call the SMU requests uh, with the right number which matches, then we can again execute our own code. Yes, including our in injected functions. Yes. So, um, in this case, it means that we can execute our own code inside the SMU. But uh, there are still some regions which are not available to us, and I was interested what I can find there. So, uh, in this case, it is the region uh, for the for the first uh, 64 kilobytes. Yes. So. Everything begins like writing a program, so let's start and write some. And this one will be quite easy. We will use the methods I told you right now to actually uh, program some kind of uh, function which, which allows us to copy four bytes from any place inside the firmware and copy it uh, to, to some place which is not protected, which we can read. And we can use this dumper uh, as many times as we like, and it means we can dump the first 64 uh, kilobytes to see what is there. Yes, so 
let's have a look uh, what is there. I, f I do think it's most likely a ROM. Uh, I like uh, my processor and I have written data there only once, very covertly, and nothing happened. So most likely this, this part is a ROM part. Uh, what is interesting is that it has the same structure as the runtime firmware, and but with more complex initial, initialization. And um, it implements only SMU request zero, which, uh, which uh, verifies the, uh, the firmware which is loaded by the BIOS. So while the computer is starting, most likely the, this ROM gets executed first, then it waits for this request. And, and BIOS will load uh, BIOS will load the firmware from the BIOS image uh, to the uh, to the second 64-bit uh, 64 kilobytes. Then invokes this, and uh, the the firmware in the in the ROM will uh, will uh, authenticate uh, this kind of firmware. So. And if we can analyze it, we can also see what went wrong with this uh, 256-byte uh, offset. And of course, what kind of hash is used. So this function, uh, if you look, uh, it is not one function. In fact, it's much more than one function. And there are some strange constants like this. Uh, anyone knows what these constants are? I didn't know either, so I had to use <laughs> a help. And um, if you look, there is another clue that it's SH1 or HMAC. And um, I had now difficulties because I didn't have any proper disassembler. Uh, so how to make sense of these big functions. Um, but, and I found out I can use something which is obviously known. It's called QMO. So QMO, it has support for LM32, and I hack it a little bit to have support for this memory layout, which was like trivial change to one file. So I loaded in the QMO the ROM part firmware and RAM part firmware, and I also load, uh, I started the QMO to executing the authenticate function. And I was able to debug it with the GDB and to see what's really <laughs> happening. So now what I have found out is here. So the authenticate function, uh, it uh, loads data from the uh, firmware header. It flashes the data caches, computes the hash function, flashes data caches again, and then it checks if the hash is uh, matching in the firmware in the firmware header. Um, here it is using the constant time algorithm, so it means if the hash is different, you cannot use the timing attack as it was possible, I believe, on in Nintendo VII or some, something like this. So, so far, so good. It set up also the protection uh, registers, and here is the problem because um, the size of the firmware doesn't include the header. So, they thought it's uh, included, but it was not, and that ex this explains why there is this uh, 256 uh, bytes gap on the part which should be covered, but it is not. And it changes also the reset vector of the, uh, of the LM32, so uh, next time the ROM is not executed anymore and the authenticated firmware is run. 
and in, in the end it signals back uh, the results uh, to the BIOS. So how it looks with the header checksum. So it is not a checksum but a hash and debugging helped and this is what I was telling last time and it is also it also means it is a, it is a symmetric key and if it is a symmetric key if there is anyone with a key uh, he can or she can sign on firmware um, I know that uh, this question will arise so I will answer it wait a second I do have some keys. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, so now you can close your eyes. Yes. Yes, so who has the closed the eyes? It's written no, close your eyes, really, I'm watching you. And wait for the next slide. So, the slides, now you can open them, so you can actually read that. It's called the secret. So, now I will press the space. Now you can see there was a little spoiler because uh, the 42 is in fact the slide number. <laughs> so let's move on. The slide number 43, there will be no 43. Um, there will be some joke which, um, or which will be uh, fun, at least for someone. Uh, is there anyone from Czech Republic? So, great. Uh, this is not a secret in Czech Republic, and it is not a secret anymore here. So, I will also skip it. And um, the secret, of course, remains a secret. So, but uh, now it is time to write some email to AMD, and we need to write them something. So, this is what I have done. I wrote to whom it may concern. Uh, I have discovered a security vulnerability in the recent AMD processor which allows arbitrary code execution on the system management unit. And I have a trouble to find out whom to write, so I decided to use LinkedIn to find some contact <laughs> to some sensible engineers which looked like they are responsible for this. And how to support the claim? Um, I changed the ping function to add, instead of one, to add 42 in hexadecimal. And I fixed the hash, and then I send it to the AMD. <laughs> and uh, so, and now, something about how it went. So, I analyzed the firmware during the Christmas 2013, while I was watching uh, Chaos Communication Congress in a little window, but in the big window, the firmware. And um, sometimes later, uh, I found the bugs I presented to you. And uh, I've written to AMD on last days of the, uh, of the April. And in like two weeks, 
I received uh, a response. Please, can you give us more information? And so I started to encrypt the communication between me and AMD. Uh, I've written in the detail what is the problem. And uh, then in July, they acknowledged the problem. In the meanwhile, there was some communication. And uh, in November, at the end, uh, I received a list of version which uh, will contain the fix. So now it is fixed. And uh, the conclusion is uh, that they responded like to the next day. And because they are on another continent than me, so it was fun to and fast, sorry, fast uh, to speak with them. And um, that's it. And uh, yes, the, the fixed problems, both issues are now uh, fixed. Um, so the firmware is now padded, so there is not a problem again with this uh, with this pro in, with this problem inside the uh, inside the routine which is authenticating the firmware. Uh, the, the, the problem with the SMU request function I check uh, it is also fixed, and some other unrelated fix to these vulnerabilities in some other processors there are also fixed. So. How it looks, um, uh, as, you, as I already told you, the SMU firmware is part of the AMD AGESA. And um, now it is time to ask your uh, vendor uh, for updated AGESA. And I think uh, it is a good idea to do that and to support, uh, to support this uh, because uh, uh, it's the vendors which are delivering the BIOS, BIOS updates to you, not the AMD. And uh, this is perhaps the only way how to force them uh, to update also the older, older platforms uh, is uh, to simply bug them and ask them for the fixed uh, AGESA, which uh, is here. So in this table, you can see the processor names which are affected by these problems. Also, the AGESA version number, which you can get if you search in the BIOS image for AGESA string, then there is this string like begins with 1.1. And the SMU versions, which uh, are listed uh, over here. Uh, in my presentation, in the slides, uh, if you go back, then later, uh, I use the version AAA, which means 10.10. So you see now it's version 10.14, which already includes the fix. And uh, I use these, uh, uh, let's say, uh, some nicknames of the processors, but it is easy to find them uh, using uh, Wikipedia. So um, you, you will find it, or just ask me or drop me an email if you have some problems with that. So thank you for your attention. Rudolf agreed to a Q&A session. So please line up on the microphones. Microphone three. Yeah, sorry, I thought I need another microphone. I have my own. Yes, I know. Cool. Um, so two, two simple questions. Um, first off, what can you actually do from the SMU? Can you read any from, anything from memory? Can you actually inter like, do anything else than just respond to interrupt? Um, well. It was not a purpose to analyze this uh, for me. I simply um, took my journey 
and I, want, I didn't want to damage my processor. I'm not sure if it is even possible to physically damage it. Uh, I don't know if there is, if there is any, uh, any DMA available inside this processor. I would bet it's in the USB-free controller, which needs to use DMA. I don't know if this processor uses the DMA. Um, but uh, I forgot to tell you that I have here uh, a guest uh, from AMD, uh, which can most likely help me to answer. Please welcome David. Hi, David. Hi, everyone. Yeah, uh, with, with regard to that specific question, the SMU appears to software as a PCI device, and it has the same capabilities that you would generally expect of a PCI device, which includes DMA. Uh, it has, of course, some additional capabilities with regard to its specific function within the SSC regarding power management and things like that, but uh, yes, it is able to read and write memory. Okay, awesome. So, so the other thing is, um, help assistant is firmware once a GISA actually puts anything in. It's, it's basically volatile, right? So if I override um, the, the, like if, if I'm malicious and I patch the, the host's firmware, uh, the BIOS blob to have a malicious piece of LM32 code in, in that blob that I recalculate the, the um, checksum for that I now can since I do know that all the CPUs allow me to read it out um, and the ROM doesn't change since the last time, uh, I can basically just infiltrate any random CPU, can't I? All right, I guess I'll... So your, your question is about the, the window of vulnerability, right, between right. power on and when the firmware is loaded? Yep. Yeah, that exists. Um, and that's um, unfortunately not something that we can really patch in the field. I, I guess our response to that would be that uh, if if you are able to have more trust in your early BIOS code to correctly load that firmware, then that will uh, help address that. And so some of the technologies that uh, we are working on with our newer products include things like Harbor Validated Boot, where uh, we have uh, the reference platform security processor verify the integrity of that first BIOS block that executes so that you can have that chain of trust going forward. But yes, I agree there is a window. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks. The IRC has a question. Yes, thank you. The question is, what is exactly in the SMU? And is there a power management unit also in it? Could it be used to overclock or activate more cores? <laughs> well, um, I think uh, it is used for the power management stuff, like um, uh, the, uh, uh, the dynamic or adaptive power management. I don't know if, it, if you can overclock uh, way more or if you can unlock some other cores, that's, I, I, I don't think that David will <laughs> tell, tell this to us, so I don't know. Yeah, I would say go and have fun. Let me know what you find. Okay. Microphone four. Um, thanks for your talk. Just a quick question. So currently the BIOS, um, the, the actual BIOS image, calls that SMU zero request to verify the BIOS image, right? Uh, yes. Uh, it, so, it, so you could, in fact, just remove that from the BIOS, assuming you could recompute the BIOS checksum and kind well, of bypass the whole. I, I'm not even sure if the computer uh. can run without that. So uh, I think you have to you have to load it. Uh, oh no, no no! I mean, bypassing the SMU checksum, not the SMU loading. 
Or is uh, it because if 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 the BIOS started, if the main CPU started first? I'm sorry, I can't hear you very well. Sorry, if the main CPU started first and then it loads the SMU image and then it calls something to verify the BIOS image was loaded correctly, the uh, BIOS image must have been already loaded, right? Or Am yes, I so, it so um, the sequence is that the main CPU x86 starts to run with the, and the SMU in maybe same moment uh, is running also, but it is running the ROM, uh, ROM firmware. And uh, when, when the BIOS uh, is doing its stuff, it will load uh, the image to the RAM of, of, the, of the SMU unit, the second 64 kilobytes, and then it will invoke the authentication function. And uh, unfortunately, I don't know any details what could happen if this is wrong or if you don't do that. So again, maybe David will help. Yeah, I think I may have created the confusion. So, so let me try to address that. Uh, the statement about verifying the BIOS code, which loads the firmware, uh, is a statement with regard to uh, newer products, starting with the Mullins product that include a platform security processor, where the platform security processor is the first microcontroller that comes up out of reset. For the older parts that do not have that, uh, what Rudolph just said was correct. Okay, thanks. Microphone two. Okay, um, you notice that now we should rely on the mainboard vendors to supply BIOS updates yes. containing the patched firmware blobs. Um, from my experience with Intel mainboards, I have very little trust in the mainboard vendors to do proper H-macking in their BIOS updates. So do you see any chance in just swapping those blobs in existing BIOS updates? I mean, I know for Intel that it's definitely possible to patch BIOS updates which are not properly secured. I think um, you, will, you will face the problems with some other BIOS checksums uh, in the end, and I would recommend you to use the core boot, and, uh, because core boot has uh, the fix for this problem also. Yeah, that might work as well. Good point. <laughs> Thank you. Microphone one. Hi. Uh, I was just wondering, I've heard um, from companies like Facebook, Microsoft, and others that they put out pretty huge bounties for uh, security vulnerab vulnerabilities found. Um, so uh, did AMD reward you for basically doing their job? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> um, I'm buying him dinner. I, what are you talking about? Well, uh, <laughs> well, uh, I didn't want to sell this because I thought if maybe some other people know about this, so let's make it public to balance balance out the the world, our world. And uh, yes, it cost me some money to get in fact here and speak about you about this. So I'm a little bit at the minus, but I'm enjoying the Congress very much. So it's okay for me. Thank you. Number two. Yes, thank you for your talk. Um, did AMD actually change the, the salt they use for the uh, SHA macking? Um, I updates? think no, it's still the same key. So basically, if you, can, if you take the same steps that you did, you can just find the salt and 
write your own firmware for the... Yes, it's, in general it is possible, but there might be a ways how to put there the new keys or the new salts. Yes, but um, if they would, then these would be supplied in BIOS updates and you can just extract the new seeds or the new seeds. Yes, it's, it's a fairly good game. Maybe okay. David can <laughs> tell something. Right. I, so obviously the fix that was released is new firmware. And so if you take that out and you write your own thing that gets loaded before that or something like that, then you're running essentially with the same device that, that Rudolph did. Uh, the, the, the key or salt in question is um, hard-coded into the silicon itself, so it's not something that, you know, unfortunately, can be changed. Okay, thanks. Number two. Um, the first part of my question you already answered because it was just that question. So after applying the new firmware, New vulnerabilities, not, not, notwithstanding, it, like the, the SMU is then safe. Like, yes. Uh, so, uh, the so with this fix, it, it's okay now because yes, the window uh, is closed. You cannot access the memory anymore, and and you cannot load your own code into it anymore. And as long as you have the bias blob in the chip, it's okay. As far as we know, unless okay, you guys yeah. find something else, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And if you do, I'll just say, um, since Rudolph's uh, encounter where he had trouble uh, finding someone to talk to at our company, we have set up an, a new email alias that's listed on there. So if, if you do have time to experiment and you find anything, we'd love to hear about it. So please email us. So thanks to Rudolph Thank you for very much. finding this bug and make us all safer. Thank you. And Have for fun. the talk. <laughs>